0: Good evening, friends. Good evening, church. Welcome to the first life class in the month of June. We are in for a great time. What a wonderful day to be alive. God is with us. We give him all the glory. Tonight, I'm starting a new life class series through the month of June, the sixth month of the year. I'm going to be teaching. But not just me. I'm so elated that a number of the Wednesdays in the month we're going to have our ministers also come and teach. And the theme for the uh, midweek life classes in June is back to the basics. We're going back to the basics. We're going back to the foundation of God's word and some very foundational tenets of a disciplined Christian life. You don't want to miss this series you really need to go back to the basics even as we are coming to the middle of the year about to enter the second half of the year come July um, you've got to go back to the basics be prepared to be able to sustain your Christian faith in the days the weeks the months and I dare say even years ahead it's going to be very very um, instructive and blessed series this month of June we've got five Wednesdays and the last wednesday is going to be phenomenal because i'm trusting god that in that last wednesday we're going to have an interactive uh, midweek life class that's going to be dealing with some very relevant um, subjects about christianity today so you don't want to miss any of the life classes make sure you tune in well tonight's class i'm starting i'm starting off the month And I'm going to be teaching something that is important and foundational to prepare us as we're going back to the basics. All right. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians and chapter 2. We're reading from verse 4 to verse 10. This is uh, foundational, but this is extremely powerful and important for us to understand. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to verse 10. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, have quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding greatness of his grace in his kindness towards us, through Christ Jesus, all right? Now, verse 8 to 10, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Like I said, we're going back to the basics in our life classes this month and we're starting by beholding afresh the amazing grace of God. The basics are the foundational tenets of our Christian faith and our Christian life. In the book of Psalms 11 and verse 3, it says that if the foundations be destroyed what shall the righteous do this is a rhetoric question basically saying that if the foundation be destroyed even the righteous will be at loss you have to grasp the foundational things you have to be rooted and grounded in the foundational things of the gospel you see anything that is complex is built from simple foundation stones so if you grasp the foundation stones accurately, then you're going to find it easy to deal with the other things. Um, There'll be nothing complex to you because you'll be able to trace it back to the foundation stones which it came from. And a key foundation stone in our Christian faith is the amazing grace of God. And so, the subject of grace is so vast, so deep, and so rich, that literally i could teach on it for series upon series upon series but what i hope to do in this first life class of the month of june is to give you an understanding of the amazing grace a basic understanding Um, touch quite a few areas of it but remind us about the grace of god and get us once again walking in the grace of god amen amen god bless you let's share a word of prayer mighty father As we go into your word this evening, I ask that you speak through me, that you cause my tongue to be as the pen of the ready writer, that I might inscribe upon the hearts of the men and women that are listening your living truth. Lord, establish us firmly in and under your grace. Open our eyes to see and to grasp the amazing grace of God towards us afresh in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for liberation. Thank you, Lord, for liberty. Thank you, Lord, for the lifting of the head, even at this time. In Jesus' mighty name, I have prayed. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, our, our pilot text, which was taken from the book of Ephesians, we could just sit with that and start there, really, where it says that, For by grace are ye saved through faith. You are saved by grace through faith. Uh, 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 this is not by your works it, you are saved for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God you are saved by grace grace is what saves us through faith this is foundational this is key to understand it says now listen it says that by grace you are saved through faith And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is not your works that saves you. It is the grace of God that saves you. I want you to get that. Your works, no matter how goody two shoes you are, no matter how many good things you do, your works are unable to save you. You always fall short. The scripture says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. So your works cannot save you. Only the grace of God can save you. So the grace of God saves us through faith. Our faith in the grace of God is what leads to salvation. Then listen as it goes on in verse 10. It now says, for we are his workmanship. He's the one that does the work. He builds us through grace. He builds us. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, uh, which God has before ordained that we should walk with them. So God is not opposed to good works. God is not opposed to good works. He foreordained that we were meant to walk in good works. But the only way you're going to be able to walk in good works is by grace. Your works don't save you. Grace saves you and then goes beyond that. I'm getting ahead of myself to enable you to do the good works that you are foreordained to do in the first place. We've got to get this right. We've got to get it straight. My good works now is coming out of the grace of God in my life. Hallelujah. The grace of God abounding in my life. Oh, yes. God is able to make all grace abound towards us that we, having all sufficiency in every good work, might abound. You see, it's the grace of God that causes us to abound in every good work. Hallelujah. So now let's get it right. We are saved by grace, not by our works. All right. Through faith that we might now be able to do the good works that God always intended for us to do. Okay. So you've got to complete the equation. Grace saves us and enables us to do the good works that God always intended for us to do in the first place. Hallelujah. Don't put the cart before the horse. Get the sequence and the order right. What happens with religion is that they put works first. So if religion were to to say this, they will say, by works are we saved so that we can enjoy the grace of God. Now, if you have to do works to enjoy the grace of God, then it's no longer grace. Hallelujah. No, we are saved by grace and not by our own works. We are saved by grace through faith, but now that same grace that saves us enables us to do the good works that God always intended for us to do. Amen and amen. Are you with me this evening? I'm, I'm deliberately in tutorial mode because i want to lay a foundation we're going back to the basics we want to understand some things and grasp on some things in the book of second corinthians chapter 3 from verse 7 all the way down to verse 18 i'm not going to read it but i want you to go back and study it if anything i want you to come out of this class with a fresh hunger and thirst to delve into god's word to grasp and understand his grace now, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 7-18, it talks about two glories. It talks about two glories. It talks about the glory of the latter, and it talks about the glory of the former. And it, it, it compares and contrasts these glories. Let me read a little bit of it to you. In verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says that, And if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stones... Was glorious so that the children of God could not, children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away with. Did you get that? Now this immediately tells you that the glory that he was initially talking about here is the glory of the law. It's the glory of the law. Because it takes that it tells us if the ministration of death, the ministration of death, the law, ministers death. Whew written and engraved in stones. So he's talking about the commandments. He's talking about the law. And he says that this was glorious, but it was a ministration of death, written and engraved in stones. It was glorious. So, so that the children of Israel could not even behold the glory of God upon Moses' face steadfastly. And it says, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather more glorious? Okay. So, it, it then lets you know that there's a glory of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant of the law, and then there is a glory of the New Testament, the New Covenant of grace of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So, we see that it is these two glories that have been compared and contrasted in this text, where one was administration of death, while the other one was administration of life. Now, as tutors and as teachers, a lot of the time we will use this to just compare glories, and we use it on the first on the surface level. But if we're going to really take this in context, it's talking about the law. It's contrasting the law and the grace of God, and it's telling you that the the glory of the law is 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 is. Is fading away and cannot be compared with the glory of the grace of God. Hallelujah. Listen uh, as we go on. In, in, in verse 9, it says, For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. You see, the ministration of righteousness exceeds in glory to the ministration of condemnation. Hallelujah. So the law, listen, the law brings condemnation while grace brings righteousness. Oh my, this is great. This is great. That's why the scripture says elsewhere in the book of Romans, for there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who are under grace. So there is no condemnation for them because they are under grace. While the law brought condemnation. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away with was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. What is he saying? The law was being done away with. It was fading away. It was being put aside. And the glory that was now coming was going to be excelling in glory, that which remaineth. This we need to understand that the glory of the law has been put aside, and now we have the glory of grace. And now we need to choose to function under the grace of God that saves us, rather than still trying to function under the law. Hallelujah. And this is this is probably the the the, the heart of what i am teaching you today the contention between law and grace now i'm not saying the law is evil the law is not evil the law is you know the 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 demands of the law they are righteous demands but the law cannot enable you to fulfill it you need that something so the scripture lets us know that the law came to us as tutors to, to, to expose us, to to make sin more sinful so that we can be, appreciate the sinfulness of sin. Uh, it exposes sin. That's what Lord the Lord does. And to ultimately expose us to our need for a savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Uh, so the Lord didn't come to save us. The Lord came to show us our need for a savior hallelujah he was our schoolmaster he was our tutor and that's why we don't vilify the law and if you are a seasoned speaker preacher teacher of god's word you should be able to use the law to bring people to the savior to christ jesus in fact jesus himself before his death and resurrection A lot of these conversations with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the people of that particular time was was to to preach the law so that they would see their need for a savior. So we're not vilifying the law, but we're saying the law is without power to deliver us, to save us. We needed a savior. That savior came and his name is Jesus. So now, in understanding this foundation stone, this, this basic of grace and understanding that we are saved by grace, it's so important because uh, we, we constantly see a contention between functioning under law or functioning under grace, and we've got to make the right choice. In fact, um, if you look throughout the scripture, you will constantly see the law and grace being pitted against each other right from the beginning in fact i tell you that in the beginning the garden of eden there were two trees and those two trees were law and grace hallelujah yes 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 i symbolically i believe by revelation that that's what they represented the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented the law Wow, the tree of life represented grace. Hallelujah. And God said to Adam and Eve, Adam told him that the day you eat of this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt surely die. This was so powerful and so symbolic that the tree of the knowledge and good of good and evil represented the law. The day you partake of the law, the day you decide that you're going to try to live your life, by the dictates of the law is the day you're going to die because you can't fulfill the law neither does it give you the power to fulfill the law while the tree of life you are allowed to continue to partake of it freely prior to the fall of man it was free it was available it wasn't forbidden to take of the tree of life not until he partook of the law and god not wanting him to be Um, perpetuated in that, that, that state of fallenness and sin, now takes him out of Eden, separating him from the tree of life until the price would be paid and then there would be restoration. Hallelujah. I hope you are getting this. I know I'm dropping a lot of deep truths there. So we see that the two trees in the garden already was a symbolism of law versus grace. In fact, we go on and we see that even the first two brothers... The first two brothers, who were they? They were Esau and they were, um, no, they were Cain and they were Abel. Cain and Abel. And when we read and understand the story of Cain and Abel, we see again that this was a contest between law and grace. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Where Abel represented the grace of God and Cain represented legalism, law. Okay, <laughs> um, Abel presented a sacrifice unto God that was acceptable unto God. The very symbolism of the sacrifice that Abel presented was that he took an animal and he killed that animal, shed its blood and offered it up as a sacrifice. So it was already z- symboliz- symbolic of grace, of somebody dying in our place dying in our place. Jesus, the Lamb of God, dies in our place so that the grace of God will now be availed us. While Cain took of the fruit of the land that had been cursed and tried to offer that unto God, which was the works of the law, his own efforts, trying to offer it unto God. And it was not acceptable. And then we see Cain arise and kill his brother. You see, the law will always attempt to kill grace the law will always attempt to kill grace we saw cain rise up and 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 and, and slaughter abel and god would challenge cain later and said that if you had done the right thing if you had embraced grace would you not have been accepted rather you decided to go the legalistic way so we see throughout various instances in the scripture this constant Uh, uh, a contest between law and grace and a choice being presented to us to choose which one we would serve oh i I mean even when we look at esau and jacob it's still law and grace hallelujah amen and amen check it look at it think about it law and grace even when and and typically the law is the firstborn while grace is the secondborn adam was the first man? He is the firstborn. Jesus is the, uh, the 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 last Adam and the second man. He is grace. Hallelujah. Uh, do, do you understand what I'm I'm saying? Do you do you grasp this? This it does it start to res- resonate? Can you start to see this throughout Scripture? The constant um, uh, uh, clash, the sibling rivalry, if you like, between law and grace. We see this continue throughout the Scriptures. We see when Um, Joseph brings his two children to um, Jacob who was now Israel to to bless him (laughs) oh my goodness oh you see Jacob even in his old now Israel in his old age had started to grasp the revelation between law and grace because he was a recipient of grace (laughs) he was a recipient of grace hallelujah and so they brought um, Ephraim and Manasseh to 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 Israel for him to bless and it was believed in the Jewish people that the right hand contained the greater blessing while the left hand contained the left blessing and um, the, the lesser blessing. And um, so Joseph positioned his sons, um, bringing them towards uh, Israel to make sure that the elder son was under the right hand and the younger son was under the left hand because the firstborn should receive the greater blessing. But then as he brought them, what did? what did Israel do? Israel crossed his hands and placed his right hand on the younger boy and his left hand on the older boy. And Joseph said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. You're, you're, you're conferring the greater blessing on the, on the younger and the, the, the lesser blessing on the, on the, on the older. And Israel said, no, 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 I know, even though I might be dim, dim of sight right now, I know exactly what am I, I'm doing. This was prophetic indeed. This was israel was in the spirit when he was doing this because this that he was doing was so symbolic of the fact that grace must be elevated over the law hallelujah can you imagine he crossed his hand symbolic of the cross of jesus because there was a cross that was coming in the new testament at which the law would end and grace would be enthroned praise god hallelujah and when we start to understand the depths of these truths we start to understand what a travesty it is to no longer to to attempt to conduct our christian lives under legalism under the law instead of enjoying the riches of his grace hallelujah i mean we see these stories consistently we see the story even in the prodigal son and 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 the elder brother and Uh, That whole story and how the prodigal returned home and was blessed, given all these blessings. And the elder brother that was at home was so upset at the reception of the younger brother back home after he had gone and lived his life wantonly. This This was a story of grace where uh, the younger brother was receiving the abundant grace of God and the the, the older brother represented the law he represented the law, legalism, a legalistic mindset, and therefore could not rejoice at the blessing of his brother. How many of us struggle to rejoice with the blessing of our brother? When we really start to learn to function in the grace of God and we understand the abundant grace of God, then we find ourselves willing and freely rejoicing with our brothers and sisters uh, uh, that God opens doors for them and brings blessings into their lives. We have no problem whatsoever with it because the same grace that blessed them and lifted them, that same grace is, is available to us. If I had the time, I would really delve on the story of the prodigal and the elder brother because when the father now has a conversation with the elder brother that was so annoyed at what had happened, the elder brother talks about, I've served you all these days and never once did you give me any of the animals to go and make with my friend. But that wasn't the, the crock point for me. It was when the father now said to that elder brother, that legalistic mindset, that person that refused to see his relationship with God as that of a father and a child, but rather as an employer employee. The father said, what are you talking about? All that I have is yours all that i have is yours you could have been killing calves every day partying every day but your mindset was a legalistic mindset instead of a grace-filled mindset and this is really what breaks my heart that there are so many saints in the house of god still functioning like servants like employees still functioning and not enjoying the grace of God, still trying to transact blessings with God on a premise of, oh, I've done this, I've done this, so you do that. No, he's already done all that he's going to do. He's made all things available to us. Uh, the blessing of the Lord that us rich, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. This is the message of the grace of God. It's available for the taking. We have to make the clear switch and shift. From trying to operate legalistically and now operating the abundant, abundant grace of God. Hallelujah. I could go on and on continually showing you all of these contrasts and, uh, uh, between law and, and grace. On and on we see this throughout the scripture. But now we have to choose the grace of God over legalism, over the law. law. The struggle continues even to this day between law and grace externally and internally. A lot of misunderstanding on the message of grace, but the, the truth be told, there is no other message of the New Covenant, of the New Testament, but that of the grace of God. Everything is at the end of the day. It's going to be about the grace of God. When we read in the book of John chapter one, it tells us about Jesus, John Beautiful writer, beautiful recounting of everything that happened in the earthly ministry of Jesus, where, where the other um, writers in the Synoptic Gospels talked about the typical um, um, conception and delivery uh, John John the Revelator, if you like starts by telling us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and you know just just giving us these deep deep insights it tells us that the word became flesh from verse 14 and we beheld him as the the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth so it tells us that Jesus brought grace and truth jesus is and was grace and truth while the law came by moses the law came by moses while grace and truth came by jesus so jesus came to introduce us to grace and truth Woo, hallelujah grace and truth grace and truth now again our religious mindsets and our legalistic mindsets and even I have been there before. We'll talk about grace and truth and would we'll re- replace truth with law. So whenever we're saying grace and truth, we would preach it in such a way that it sounds like grace and law. That, that Jesus came to give us both grace and the law. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. That's not the truth that Jesus came to to display and to show us it wasn't law we already had the law we already knew the law the law was already condemning us and exposing our sin the law came by Moses while grace and truth came by Jesus so what is the truth that came along with the grace that Jesus brought hallelujah let me tell you what the truth is the truth that he brought the truth that he wants us to grasp and to understand is the truth that the price has been paid. Woo! Is the truth that somebody has stood in the gap for us. That's grace and truth. It doesn't deny your sin, it doesn't deny your failure, it doesn't deny your proclivities and your struggles. It's just saying somebody has paid the price for that. Woo! Hallelujah embrace the finished work embrace the price that has been paid for your deliverance for your liberty hallelujah blessed be god i give you all the glory i give you all the honor jesus as i behold your amazing amazing grace he stood in the gap for us he who knew no sin. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He who knew no sin became sin, that I who knew no righteousness might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be God. We give you the glory. You know, a lot of people also use, use uh, uh, the word grace and mercy interchangeably as if they are the same thing. They're not the same thing, even though they are. They closely work together. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. So, obtain mercy, find grace. It's talking about two different things. Now, we need both mercy and grace. In fact, let me tell you, the mercy of God is new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. It's because of His mercies that we're not consumed the truth be told is mercy what is mercy mercy is what stands between you and deserved judgment mercy is what stands between you and deserved judgment mercy said no mercy triumphs over judgment if not for the mercy of god we will be consumed with instant judgment for a lot of our sins and our atrocities But mercy said no. Mercy stood in the gap. But mercy was not enough. You also need grace. Mercy withholds what you deserve. What do you deserve? Punishment, judgment. Grace gives you what you don't deserve. What don't you deserve? Enablement, acquittal, freedom. Hallelujah. So, my sin attracts judgment. Mercy stands in the way of that judgment and says no to judgment. But if I don't have grace, I continue in sin constantly attracting judgment. But when grace comes in, grace now enables me to no longer live in sin, no longer practice sin. So, because I am no longer practicing sin, I no longer attract judgment. Do you get me what I'm saying? The woman that was caught in adultery, and the man brought him brought her to Jesus. And they wanted to stone her and said that this woman has been caught in adultery, in the very act of adultery. Um, we want to stone her. What say you, Jesus? Jesus stooped to the ground and was writing something in the, in the sand. We don't know what he was writing. He didn't tell us what he was writing. Uh, and that's a whole other message all by itself. I could preach another day. But then Jesus, rising up from what he had been writing on the, on the ground, looked at them and said, You that are without sin, throw the first stone. and all of them started dropping their stones and living and leaving from the eldest to the youngest and then jesus looked at the lady and said to her where are your accusers and the lady looked around and found out that they had all gone and said no one accuses me no one is here and then jesus says neither do i condemn you but then listen to what he says he says go and sin no more you see all of the people that brought stones to stone that woman, they, they all could not stone her because they were not without sin. They all had sin, so they couldn't stone her. You, you don't have a right to stone anybody if you yourself have a flaw in your life, and we all do. The only person that had the justification to have stoned her that day was Jesus himself. Jesus himself could have stoned her because he was without sin. So but he could have stoned her, but he refused to stone her. No, he stoned her. He stoned her with grace. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. Mercy said no, didn't allow them to stone her. He now stoned her with grace. Hallelujah. There is therefore now no condemnation. He didn't come to condemn. He came to set us free from condemnation. I wish I had the time. In the book of John chapter 3 from verse 17 to 18, it lets us know that Jesus could not have come to condemn the world. He came that the world might be saved through him because the world was already condemned. Condemnation doesn't come from Jesus. Condemnation was already a natural fact and consequence of breaking the law. Jesus came to deliver us from condemnation. And then Jesus said to that woman, Go and sin no more. More In that phrase, in that statement, he, he was bestowing her with grace to no longer do the thing that attracted the judgment in the first place. This is the power. This is amazing grace. Mercy says no to judgment. Grace says yes to favor. I, I, we need to be established in grace. This is foundational. This is basic. We need to be established established in the grace of God, the amazing and the wonderful and the tremendous grace of God. We need to stop relating with God with a legalistic mindset. I'm not saying that, that you won't still fulfill our righteousness. I'm not saying that you won't still sow your seeds and do the things that you're meant to do. But now you're not doing them to earn what has already been given. You're doing those things more out of gratitude For knowing that He's already paid the price for you, Hallelujah! Are you hearing what I'm saying? I really trust God that you're getting this. I want you to start to realize that grace is far more than uh, a prayer that we pray. Because for so many people, when they hear the grace, they think about the prayer. Let us say the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and all the rest. And that's all right. But grace is so much more than a prayer. We are saved by grace through faith. Now, a whole lot of us have been introduced to saving grace, but we make a mistake when we think that all that grace does is saves us. Grace does so much more than save us. Hallelujah. Listen to what Paul says about himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse um, verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain but I labored more abundantly than they all yet not I but the grace of God which was with me the grace of God which was with me what is Paul saying here Paul is saying my secret what distinguishes me from everybody else is the grace of God. Hallelujah. So now he starts to say, I have labored more abundantly than everybody else, yet not I, but the grace of God that was there on me. Therefore, he's letting you know that his grace was not just a saving grace. Listen, listen, listen. It's also an enabling grace. Grace didn't just come to save us, grace came to enable us to enable us to live the life to enable us to walk as god always intended for us to walk. so it's not just saving grace it's also enabling grace it is divine enablement to do what we couldn't do before divine enablement to be what we couldn't be before divine enablement to go where we could not go before this is the amazing grace of of god undeserved but reserved for anyone that would believe him. Now, we've got to realize that grace is more than the door into Christianity. Grace is the very, very essential essence of being able to live the Christian life. It's an enabling grace. Every time we attempt to acquire by legalism what has been given to us by grace, we push that further away from us. Listen to what um, Paul will say to the Galatians. He says, "Who has bewitched you that after you have received this salvation by grace and by the Spirit, you will attempt to now uh, be perfected by the works of the flesh?" Grace. grace, 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 saves us and enables us. How? How do we walk in this grace? It's right there in the pilot text and in the code. You are saved by grace through faith 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 grace is offers all of God but faith receives what grace is offering grace makes it available but you you need faith you use faith to take what has been made available hallelujah hallelujah for the just shall live by faith you you use your faith to appropriate what grace Has made available. It is time for you to determine that you are going to live and function under grace and not under the law. For we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. For it is written, Cursed is anyone that hangeth upon a tree. Jesus hung upon a tree, the cross, for us. He became a curse for us. So that Abraham's blessings would be ours. So that, whoo, hallelujah. So that we will no longer be under the curse of the law. We've been delivered. The grace of God has made it available. It's time for us to receive, receive it and walk in it by faith. Whatever you are going through right now, there is grace to get you through. But you've got to extend your faith to receive that grace to get through it to go to your next level in the mighty name of jesus now i could say so much more about the grace of lord particularly the grace of god particularly comparing and contrasting it with the law but time forbids me and if anything i want to stimulate you to delve deeper to go deeper into god's word to say lord open my eyes help me to see the wonders of your grace the greatness of your grace. Help me to embrace the finished work by your grace. Hallelujah. And Lord, help me to make that shift from legalism and fully into the grace of God. Hallelujah. You see, this this revelation of the grace of God who Jesus is is the revelation that we need to totally turn our lives around. Hallelujah. The grace of God, the finished work, is done. Somebody said it this way, using the word grace as an acronym, it says, God's riches at Christ's expense. What a beautiful definition. He's paid the price so that you could have God's riches. All that God has to offer, Christ has paid the price for it. It's now for you and for me to embrace and to receive it by faith. You know, a lot of times you're believing God for one thing or another, and yet you, you you slip back into trying to get that thing by some form of legalistic effort on your own part to get it. And Jesus is saying, no, I've already paid the price. It's already done. What I need you to do is to receive it by faith. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. This is a basic Hallelujah. Back to the basics. Back to the grace of God. Moving down from under law to functioning under the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. I do what I do by the grace of God. I'm standing today only by the grace of God. The grace of God upon my life was not in vain. Don't let the grace of God that has been upon you, don't let it be in vain. He did not die in vain. He wants you to take full advantage and enjoy His saving grace. Amen and amen. I pray a release of fresh grace upon you. I pray that the eyes of your understanding might be opened and enlightened to see and to grasp the grace of God. The larger majority of Paul's prayers for the church were not prayers to do, they were prayers to know. Oh, that you might know the riches of His grace. Oh, that you might be rooted and grounded in the love of God that passeth all all, all knowledge, that you might know it. Oh, that you might start to understand the grace of God. Oh, that you might start to understand that it's already yours. That thing that you're looking for, it's already yours. Hallelujah. Oh, that you will grasp that all things are yours already by the grace of God, that you are blessed already by the grace of God. I pray for, for the revelations of the grace of God to flood your soul, to flood your mind. I pray that you will truly shift from functioning under the law and legalism and start to function under the abundant and enriching grace of God in the mighty name of Jesus. If you're out there and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ yet as your Lord and Savior, he paid the price. He's not condemning you. It's a religion that condemns, not Jesus, not Jesus. He's not condemning you. This is the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation, that the price has already been paid. Jesus, God is, is not looking to judge you. Jesus has taken that away, out of the way. Now receive the free gift of salvation, Through Christ Jesus. If you haven't been saved. This is your opportunity. Believe with your heart. Confess with your mouth. Repeat these words of prayer with me. Lord Jesus. Thank you. For the price that you paid. Thank you. For coming. And dying. For me. Today. I repent. Of my sin. And I accept you. As my Lord. And my Saviour. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe with my heart. I confess with my mouth. And so, by faith, I am now born again. A new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, whoo, hallelujah, welcome to the body of Christ. You are indeed saved. And we want to help you to grow in the Lord. So make sure you get in, on, in, on, in touch with us on any of our platforms or the details that are on the screen. And let's help you to grow in the Lord and move from level to level and from glory to glory in the mighty, mighty name. Of Jesus. Amen and amen. Whoo, Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to have a short chat on Clubhouse after tonight's um, class from 8.30. Um, still talking more about the amazing grace of God. Jump in and let's, let's chat some more there. We can't close out tonight's service without an opportunity for you to give towards the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. It takes resources to do what we do and I want to encourage you that you sow in, in, in generously, for he that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. The de- details for how you can give have been shown on the screen now. Choose the method that is most preferred by you, and sow. I decree and declare you are blessed and highly favored, even in your giving, and you will testify of how God came through for you in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen and amen don't miss any of the life classes this month they're going to be great they're going to be life-changing i've got the ministers lined up they're bringing god's word your way in the next couple of wednesdays then i'll be back again close to the end of the month don't miss any of the sunday services as we preach and teach about the blessing of god that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow You don't want to miss a one of those services. And please be an ambassador of Jesus and invite everybody you know, tell everybody, convince them, pull them into the house of the Lord. Uh, And we will see great, great, great things happen for us and in us and through us in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen and amen. Let's bring the service to a close with a, word of prayer and to share the grace and fellowship. Father, thank you. Let the seed of your word soon bring forth great fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, let's share the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely God's goodness and God's mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. and We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever amen and amen hallelujah god bless you see you soon